Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep, and I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll, I read a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral Sleepy Girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. You cannot be the perfect bachelorette. Yeah. I wanted to be the perfect bachelor. It's impossible, Rachel. It's impossible. All right? We get put into situations that we never could have prepared for. All we can do, all you can do, is make the best decisions in real time using your intuition. Even though you're going through a storm right now, the hope is for you to fall in love with someone who loves you back for you, and they get down on one knee, and that is still totally in play. Yeah. It's just like hard. Like, I I really appreciate everything you're saying I do. It's just tough right now to... I know. Like, I shouldn't be feeling this sad. Remember, there's no playbook for this thing. Welcome 
to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. And this is Bachelor Clues, proud to present our coverage of week four of the regular season. This was a two-hour game, just as we've seen of every game this season. But before we get into that, we got a little bit of business. Business item number one. You can now go to GameOfRoses.co and pick up for yourself, for your loved ones, for your friends, for your enemies, a brand new Sauce Wars t-shirt. This commemorates the era of the game that we are now in, the Sauce Wars, where there are official Bachelor Nation podcasts aligned with producers and Warner Brothers to spin the narrative of the nation whatever way they see fit, and there are podcasts that tell the tea, that tell the truth, that try to cut through the sauce, the lies. The tea will set you free. And we now have a shirt to commemorate these glorious days of the sauce wars. The design is by Ella Talkin. She did our 4TRR shirt way back when. She did our Welcome to the Pit shirt that has these incredible renderings of Pace Case and myself sitting in thrones deep at the bottom of the pit surrounded by <laughs> all of the maniacal things that we... Yeah, you can see my little poster behind me. Oh, yeah, there it is. That one. There it is. If you're watching this on video, which is available on Patreon as well. That's gameofroses.co to pick up that merch. And one other piece of business. Do, 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 do. Breaking news. Dark Lord Palmer issued a tweet tonight at Jesse Palmer TV. Gabby with the perfectly executed hooju. Hashtag The Bachelorette. They had that weird S at the end of... Yeah, they always put that red S. This does my heart a great service. Because when we first started this show, Game of Roses, and it was just me and Lizzie high on my couch one night talking into a handheld recorder (laughs) right in the middle of Hannah Brown's season. Uh, I think we started on episode six. We're just like, fuck it, let's start. Way back then, one of our initial goals was to put forth the language that we had kind of created to talk about this game, to describe all of the different repeating elements. I always viewed it as very similar to uh, sports writers in the early 1900s invented the term RBI, runs batted in in baseball, and ERA, earned run average. These are two baseball statistics that basically define the modern game. They were not created by the game. They were not even created by players. They were created by sports writers. And I consider us to be that of The Bachelor. The greatest sport of all. To me, it's it's my favorite sport for sure. But, uh, you know, we, we came up with a, a lexicon, essentially, of all this different terminology to describe these things. The PTC, the personal tragedy card, the IFI, the injury, fear, or illness play, a variety of others. The four love levels. The Tamsig. <laughs> the Tamsig is lesser known. The dark touch. We haven't seen a dark touch in so long. <laughs> the PVC. All of these. The COTA, the Ceremony of the Ancients. We had one again tonight. Very exciting. Kind of a rare piece of the game now. Yeah, it, it really has been, rare, especially in the bubble seasons. But we have come up with all these terms And it has always been our goal to have these terms ultimately embraced by the game itself, just like in baseball or football or any of these other sports that, again, throughout history, commentators on the sport have seen these repeating patterns, have started to make sense of the the statistical meaning in some of these repeated behaviors. And in making that sense, then the terms they create for it, the statistics themselves get absorbed into the game. They become a part of it. And now tonight... I believe that Huju has ascended 
to a level we have gotten no other term. Not even Huju has been used. It has been absorbed by the game. Producers, sorry, the hug jump is what Huju stands for. It's when the, (laughs) so far to our knowledge, it's only female players running to male leads or players, jumping on them, wrapping their legs around them and hugging them. We coined the term Huju on this podcast, which is a shortened form of hug jump. And it was always our goal to get, again, these terms into the game. Tyler Cameron has used Huju in an E! News interview. Uh, We've gotten Mm -hmm. certain information that producers use it on set. They now call this thing the Huju in the game. And this is our term. Blake Moynes said he was Hujuing in his final Rose Ring Winner Instagram post. (laughs) But in the echelon of that, but this is... Yeah, this is much higher. One grander. This is... The Dark Lord, Palmer, the reigning Dark Lord, using this term, I screamed, wow in pride. But it's beyond even him using the term. He's using it while he's live tweeting the episode we watched tonight. He's using it to describe an event that takes place in a contemporary episode. In my opinion, we're there. We have affected the game in a very real way in that we have applied terminology to this thing that has happened time and time again. It's now absorbed by the game. I can't wait to see what our next term is that gets absorbed. I think it could be PTC. I feel like it is. I feel like a Huju and a PTC are kind of like the essentials. Perhaps their own subsports in a way because they both take you know, there's multi steps to them. There wait. There are ways to fuck mm-hmm. them up. There are ways to give flourishes to make them even grander. Uh, do you agree with Dark Lord Palmer's evaluation here? Gabby has a perfectly executed huju. Listen, I'm very glad that Dark Lord Palmer knows what a huju is and that he's using the term we've created. Very happy uh-huh. about that. Very happy. <laughs> Great. I love to see you happy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're my best friend. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dark Lord Palmer, Dark Lord Palmer, doesn't understand what makes a good huju at all. He is very wrong. This is not a perfect huju. I'm going to go into exactly why that is later when we get to that point in our recap. But no, this is like someone at a baseball game seeing someone hit a foul ball and go, "Wow, look at that home run!" That's not a home run. <laughs> You're like, that bitch is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that bitch is pace case. <laughs> but we just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that this terminology, which again was part of our goal with this uh, podcast, was to like affect the game in the way that people talk about it. And now we have gotten our term so far into the game that the reigning host of the whole fucking show is using it to live tweet. Unbelievable to me. You have... I know they're time intensive. You haven't done one of those ESPN style hooju breakdowns in a while, but I kind of want to go dig one up and send it to Dark Lord Palmer. You know what? I'm going to do it for this uh, hooju. You'll do it for Gabby's? It was a fascinating one. We'll get to it. Yeah, We're getting ahead of we ourselves. We are. All right, let's do this. Let's do what we came here for. Let's do what we came here for. Indeed. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present... Analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. All right. So we open with the promo. Wait. What? You got something before the promo? (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, (laughs) I just wanted to check. (laughs) You're like, you're missing something. 
it's just a thought. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to start with, we haven't checked in on our love levels. We're in right. the top 12. So I was like, where are we at with love levels? To me, it felt like we were behind. And usually at this week, I feel like we would be seeing some love level twos, some love level threes. So I went into the grid. Here's where we are at. Love levels going into tonight's episode. Logan, love level one with Rachel Reckia, but he is switching for his villain edit. Johnny, zero love level. Nate, love level one. Gabby, Tino, love level one. Reckia, loaded love level two. Eric, love level one. Reckia, Zach, love level one. Reckia, loaded love level three. Jason, loaded love level one for Gabby. Tyler, zero. Spencer, zero. Ethan, zero. Mario, zero. Meatball, zero. It's extremely low. For those who may be slightly new to the show, love levels are what players use to escalate their emotional connection to the lead. There are four of them. They are, I like you, or I'm having feelings for you, or you're making me feel something. Something in the general vicinity of that. Love level two is, I'm starting to fall in love with you, or I could see myself falling in love with you. We saw that one tonight, that variant. I could see myself falling in love with you. I can picture myself falling in love with you. Love level three is I'm falling in love with you. Or... I'm falling. It doesn't have to have the word love in it. I'm falling. I'm falling in love. You're in the act of falling in love. Falling is implicit. Sacred word. Love. (laughs) And... (laughs) A sacred word is... uh, I never use the word love. Sacred word defense. I never use the word love. That's why it means so much to me. Okay. Sidetracked. Love level four is I love you. I have fallen in love with you. I'm fallen. I'm, I love you to the ends of the earth. I'm in love with you. And we don't count them if they are jokes. Right. Like Gabby Wendy did this season. They have to be meant. On her one-on-one date with Jason? Yes. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, those are the love levels. That's where we are. <laughs> The fact that you and I still don't know who the people are when we're in the top 12 is absurd. And I'm like, how is anyone even following this season? That's what I'm saying. This season is put together so poorly in terms of its construction, its editing, its producing. None of these players are standing out. You don't get a sense about who any of them are from a personality standpoint. You're getting a couple of their PTCs, but there's no conversation around it. The way they're editing these one-on-ones are just like 45 seconds of the day. You're going to eat some fucking whipped cream. You're going to fucking hit each other with beer in the face or whatever. And then it's like, now we're at the dinner. Tell me your PTC. And here's your rose. We're out. We're done. The whole fucking one-on-one dates are wrapped up in like four minutes. It's insane. It's like a conveyor belt season. Anyway, my point before we get to the promo of portion one is that this is not a lot of love levels for each person's top six or the top 12 overall. So now let's do what we came here for. Here we go. <laughs> the promo for tonight's show begins. Tonight <laughs> of the Bachelorette. They're screaming, boats. It's getting weird. Kissing, horses and carriages, mirrors, strong connections, fireworks. Logan switches teams. Rekia is humiliated. There are tears. A stir is caused and Rekia doesn't want to do this anymore, which we've been seeing all season. Portion one begins. A bunch of drone shots over the boat. Gabby's partnering uh, from her bed. They're sailing to Bruges, Belgium. And um, we see Rekia pondering. Gabby's eating some ice cream. We see some guy showering for the first time. This is our first shower shot, although we have seen 
all of these players in speedos doing push-ups and pull-ups and trying to get their vascularity and muscularity ready for that <laughs> first all-play date of the fucking season. And we see Gabby ITMing uh, that she's developing deep connections with the men already. The boat docks and Rekia is ITMing excitement for trying some real uh, chocolate from Belgium this, in this fairy tale esque location. And ultimately, we see Team Rachel agreeing that they need to show Rachel how much they want to be there for her. And Logan is ITMing that he wants Rachel to have a good time, but he feels he still has feelings for Gabby. And then the date card arrives. So we're loading this idea that Logan is about to fuck things up. Before the date card arrives, Rachel Rekia has a few sad pondering shots. And in one of them, she is holding a tea while in a mug, while lying on a hammock. And this was my wowie moment of the week. Okay. Why would you ever bring a mug on a hammock? This is absurd. No one would ever do this. You think the mug was empty? Absolutely, the mug was empty. You wouldn't bring a full mug on a hammock. It's a, a recipe for disaster. Interesting. Didn't even think about it, but I think you're right now. This is an insult to the mock sport. <laughs> I love to mock. You would never bring a mug on a mock. All right. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> And then our guys get this date card. It is a group date. It's going to be the Rachel Recchi group date. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Clearly, they had something hooked up with chocolate. And on the date is going to be Tino, Zach, Meatball, Ethan, Tyler, and of course, Logan. Ethan congratulates Avon on getting that one-on-one. -on -one. And Logan ITMs that he needs to talk to Rachel about his feelings for Gabby. And then we get our first knock-knock of this episode. This is Logan going to knock-knock on Rachel Recchi's door to break the bad news, basically. So he comes in and he says he's been honored to get all these roses, but something's anchoring him down a bit. And he says he shared a real connection with Rachel in the beginning, but he had one with Gabby too. And at the end uh, of the night, he thought he was going to get a rose from Gabby and he hasn't been able to forget about that connection. And so when he heard his name on the date card, everybody else was sure they wanted to be with Rekia, but he still has feelings for Gabby. He can't go on the group date, he says, and he's going to have to step away from pursuing things with Rekia. He calls himself a fool, and Rekia then takes him to task for accepting so many roses. Um, but then ultimately, <laughs> he's like, I appreciate you telling me. Uh, I wish you would have done it sooner. And that's essentially it. As clean as you can do it. I thought it was done cleanly. This is about as clean as you could have done something like this. Yeah, I don't think he stepped into villain territory here. I don't even get the sense that the producers were trying to give him that edit. Or maybe if they were, they just didn't have the footage. It To me, it seemed like this was well played. It doesn't seem to be this catastrophic event that it then turns out to be. But we start to have this series of ITMs from Rachel Recchia. She produces tears. She says, I gave him my first group date rose. Something's clearly wrong with me. It's supposed to be my time to find someone and everyone's rejecting me week after week. Why don't they all just leave then? I don't have to say I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. Another wrecking Rachel Reckia cliffhanger. But I mean, this is what the show is now. It's complete destruction of the lead by the middle of the season. They're trying to get leads to that fence jump moment that they got Colton Underwood to in season mm -hmm. 23, literally on the first night if they can. And they just try to repeat it every fucking week. It's crazy what they've done to her, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, 
I'm just like, what is going to even happen later that these ITMs are, are horrible. I don't like watching them. No. And uh, you also can't identify with anybody. Like the lead is the protagonist of your show. The lead is the main character. The lead is the person that we, the audience watching the show, want to identify with. Wouldn't it be fun to be in that situation, to get to date 30 people and go all over the world and have every one of your needs catered to and have a whole production staff like dressing you? Do a beer tour. Giving you beer tours, all that shit. Wouldn't that be fun? That's what we're supposed to feel. That was a deep cut. Indeed. Uh, But that's what we have felt up until a certain season. And now we never feel it. Now we always think through the edit, like the producers are destroying this person. That does not look fun. I don't want to identify with Rachel Reckia because no. she's <laughs> fucking miserable 24 hours a day. We let the guys off the boat of Rachel Reckia's group date. And they are, I love Clevelanding the hell out of Bruges. And Zach is saying hello to a horse. Meatball can't wait to see Reckia smile. We see a seagull on a dock. But we cut back to Rachel Reckia. She's crying in her bathrobe. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Hang on. How could you cut out the craziest shit that the guys saw when they were walking around the streets? Did you not catch this? There were two like muscle guys wrestling in a giant vat of liquid chocolate that they were watching. Did you not see this? Yes. Sorry, I thought we had already talked about that. What the fuck was that? (laughs) No. That was clearly supposed to be the group date activity, right? That they were going to wrestle in chocolate. I feel so robbed that I didn't get to see a chocolate fight. That is all I was thinking. Like, they're going to make these guys get in Speedos again and fucking do chocolate wrestling. This is bananas. Somebody's going to get chocolate licked off their body. How are we going to see the vascularity? I think we would have seen it much better. I think the glistening chocolate really would have been like made their vascularity shine, you know, make it really pop. But um, no, this was totally the date that they had planned that just never transpired. Sad to see it. I would have rather watched this one than the actual boxing date. I agree. But we cut back to Rachel Reckia crying in a bathrobe. And by the way, they don't explain that that was supposed to be the group date. They just keep showing shots of it as if like these guys keep watching this. No, it's just a regular thing. Like, you know, when you travel to Bruges and you're just walking around the city. That's just something you see. Two muscle guys wrestling in a kiddie pool filled with liquid chocolate. That's just what they do there. That's how it was presented in the fucking document. I thought that's what Bruges was. <laughs> chocolate wrestling. Bats of chocolate and beer. <laughs> yeah. You wrestle in the chocolate, you bathe in the beer. Right. Those are the only two liquids they have there. Chocolate and beer. <laughs> We get a DLP knock-knock here. Rekia said she thought she was past the time of people changing their mind, and she loads walls. I have walls going up. And she says they have to keep picking me back up. She feels bad for her group of guys. And she says she was dealt really bad cards. That's interesting, because saying I was dealt bad cards implies a dealer. Who was dealing them to you, Rachel Rekia? It implies a casino. And the casino is always going to be against the non-casino. God, there are these uses of language from the players, from the leads throughout this entire season that if you just read into it a little bit, if you see what's right behind what they're saying, they're saying the producers are fucking destroying me. Why are they doing this? It's right there. It's so close. She almost sees it. They're saying literally traumatic. (laughs) That's in the subtext. 
I mean, we're just getting again and again these lines. I want I'm failing at being the bachelorette. And I'm like, I'm so sick of seeing this. Like, not because I don't think she should be complaining about it, but it's like, why did they just why did they make this her only edit? Why? Like it's a plot of three episodes in a row. Listen, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the state of Bachelor Nation currently. Like, how did we get to this point where the show is this, where I think most people watching it do not feel good about what is happening to these leads? And I just, I don't know. I think the producers have it in their minds now that getting people to cry is, in quotes, good TV. And getting people to have nervous breakdowns is, in quotes, good TV. And it can be. I'm not saying that that's totally wrong. In prior seasons, you would have like, you know, uh, like a Brooks, I forget his last name, the guy who fucking self-eliminated on Desiree Hartsock's season. Forrester? That could be. But, you know, that was a moment of heartbreak. And you get to see a person, Desiree in that case, be like, fuck, I didn't want him to leave. I had real feelings for him. And you do get some crying. You do get a little breakdown. But it's not, it never felt like the structure of the show was causing the breakdown. You want it to feel like the people are causing the breakdowns to one another. Not that the show itself, the environment itself is so oppressive and abusive that literally Rachel Recchia has been crying more in the document than not. Anyway, my two cents. So they send in DLP. I'm trying to. They send in DLP to be like... <laughs> You can't be the perfect bachelorette. I know. I wanted to be the perfect bachelor back when I was the bachelor. And it's like, motherfucker, you were the bachelor in season five. Probably the most protected. You were an NFL player at the time. They brought in other NFL players to look through binders of the women that were in your season with you. He had a fucking best friend that was a mole in the show. Fucking glory days. That would tell him all the shit the other players were saying. He was the most protected player maybe in the history of the fucking show. He has no idea what she's going through now. There was no Instagram. There was no paradise. He has no fucking idea what she is going through. So to sit there and be like, I know I was lead once too. It's like, dude, you were not. This is not the same fucking thing. It's not the same producers even. He's like, I've dealt with hard things. Trish Schneider slipped me her hotel room key <laughs> on a resurrection and I had to say no. Yeah, that was the worst fucking thing they did to him. God, that was literally the worst thing they did to him was bring a player back on one of his fantasy suite dates to try and crash the date. And he just had to be like, what the fuck is going on here? No, that was it. At any rate, they send him in to do his job. He also says, there's no playbook for this thing. Maybe we should send them the playbook. Yeah, there is a playbook, DLP. Uh, it's called How to Win the Bachelor. We wrote it, and you can buy it now, wherever you get your books. But they send him in to do his job. And in this situation, the host's job is to talk the lead off a ledge. And it does seem like Rekia is approaching the ledge here. So he calms her down and says, look, there's still a chance for you to find love that's still on the table. We, you should go through with this. What do you want to do? Basically is what he asks her. And then uh, he has to go tell the guys that unfortunately <laughs> she decided to cancel the fucking date. So uh, he says, you know, some stuff went down. She's not in the right mindset to go on the group date, but she's going to see him at the after party that night. Tyler ITM's disappointment and not getting to spend time with her. Tino tells the guys to bring their A game that night to cheer her up. This is some of the first open gameplay speech we're going to get this episode. And this episode is just fucking chock full of it, especially toward the end. I want to see, by the way, all of the cut scenes of DLP giving advice. God. Like, for some reason, I had this image of, like, at the end of this one, he's like, you know, there's... You can still find love. It's totally in play. Like... 
you only need one ring winner, one fiance. I could see him being like, you just need one fiance, Rachel. And her being like, wait, what? Fiance? He's like, yeah, one fiance. <laughs> I just think that would be a funny bit they could have done. Maybe they have it. I have no idea. Maybe those tapes exist. Release the fiance tapes. Yeah. Release fiance tapes. Uh, at the end of portion two, they give Tino a Frankenbitten line, all played off face. I feel stripped of a wonderful opportunity with my future wife. None of the, this is like at least two I or three sentences that. cobbled together here. Never said that. And then, uh, yeah, we see Rekia pondering in her bathrobe back in her room as we begin portion three. And we get one of Logan's five million ponder shots off the side of the boat. And then he's pondering into a mirror. Uh, straight acting here. He does like the slow look up at himself in the mirror, like, what have I done? And then he ITMs, but <laughs> now he's got to talk to Gabby. And so we get this next knock, knock. He goes into Gabby's room and he tells her, when I met you at your mansion, I was on fire for you. He explains that he can't stop thinking about her and it's gotten in the way of him and Rachel Recchia. And he, he tells her, I told Rachel that I need to step away from dating her. And uh, he was she was frustrated, but it needed to be said. And Gabby says she appreciates him telling her this. And she explains that he was the only overlap. He was the only player that both Rekia and Gabby Wendy said they both liked. And she says she backed away in the beginning because she thought Rekia was into him more. And she doesn't want to fuck with her friends. So she's going to check with Rachel Rekia before she makes any kind of decision. And he's, you know, just kind of stuck in this limbo. And Gabby says it's her worst nightmare. But she's got to put her friends first, basically. Right. And Logan ITMs what I'm feeling after this. It couldn't have gone better. And he's moving into what he calls no man's land, which I guess is just a different part of the boat, his own part of the boat. Well, no man's land is a war term. It was from uh, World War One, I, I believe, when they would dig trenches and like the opposing army would be fucking 200 yards away from you. And you'd both be trenched down, barbed wire, machine guns up. And if you got in between those trenches, that strip in the middle is no man's land. Because if you go out there, the other side is just going to fucking mow you down with grenade or with uh, machine guns. Michael talked about Gabby's trenches. He had two lines about Gabby's trenches in this episode. Fun fact. I don't remember that shit. Hmm, interesting. Well, Logan is... <laughs> he... Okay, there was a weird shot here where they... He leaves a rose. Oh, it was the group date rose she had for that night yeah i think it was for the group date rose now gabby and rachel me and recky is like how many roses were you gonna take and her date didn't happen but don't think about me so much and gabby's like i know how they look at you and recky itms i really don't trust logan so we're getting the beginning of this villain edit then recky itms that logan is not trustworthy she says, he strung me along for weeks. The entire show is based on the premise that the lead strings along 29 players, if there are 30, until giving a ring to one. Let's even say she or he form relationships with the last three. They string along 27. You're telling me Meatball yeah. is not getting fucking strung along at this point? Yeah, what do you call what you're doing to Meatball? Certain leads have admitted they just gave group date roses to random people for fun. Yeah, to invalidate the importance of group date roses. That, of course, was the great one. Uh, he just said that on his podcast recently. But this idea that, oh my God, he was stringing me along. That's the entire premise of the show. I thought for me anyway, 
this piece of the ITM where they're trying to use this to victimize her, I thought did not work for that reason. Portion number four begins with one of my favorite runners, a Dark Lord Palmer casting card. <laughs> Here's what he says this time. We heard that uh, the guy you're dating turned out to be your cousin. We can do better. Should I didn't hear this one? That, I guess that's uh, they're putting the call out to all the bumpkin players out there. Yeah, bumpkin. <laughs> this is a bumpkin specific one. I love these so much. Oh my God. Turned out to be your cousin. Dark Lord Palmer told me my boyfriend was a fucking loser who should eat shit so i dumped him and applied but like for real who are they trying to appeal to with this one the guy you're dating turned out to be your cousin they are just trying to make it like a meme that's the only explanation i can think of that it's not serious i guess so we then get what turns out to be the only part of this rachel reckett group date the after party all the guys say they're going to make up for lost time and say a bunch of 4TR bullshit. And Rachel Recchia comes in and tells them Logan said he's interested in Gabby, our biggest fear. I thought we were past this. It's hard. The constant rejection. By the way, you don't need to be here. I'd rather know now. Very common bachelorette thing to say. But I thought her performance here was very calm, very subdued. Usually when bachelorettes come in to lay down the law, if you're not here for the right reasons, it's usually a get the fuck out. Like if you're not serious about this and about me, then leave, take a hike. This was just kind of like, look, if you're not feeling it, it's okay. You could tell me. You should tell me now. Yeah, this was more of an in still obviously doesn't feel like she has that much power. Yeah. We get some quick one-on-one one -on -one pops. Ethan, sorry you had to deal with that. You have so, such composure. I love the feeling of seeing you smile. I want to make you happy. He gets a kiss. And then we get one-on-one -on -one time with Tino. And Tino kind of loads what he's going to do here in his ITM. He says, I want to touch on how I feel. I was pretty hurt about her canceling the date. We both need to be able to communicate our feelings for it to be a real relationship. And in the one-on-one, -on -one, he says, moving forward, I want to be your person. I'll take any piece of you every, any day. Like, even if you're super upset, I'll take whatever I can get. I know we could have made an amazing memory. And today it hurt me. It made me feel a little unseen. Our relationship has gotten to the point where we can talk about this. And Rachel Recchia loves this. She's like, I do see you. Believe me. Thank you. And kisses him. And this subtle make me stay by Tino was my play, 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 play of the game. It's a risky move telling The Bachelorette that you didn't really like something that she did. But Tino couches it in this like, I want to be honest with you because this honesty is what people in real relationships do. So he is able to make it seem like this tiny little hurdle that they can both overcome together. And like, he knows what she's going to say. She's obviously going to be like, oh yeah, thank you for really telling me. And it was just so well played. This version of a make me stay by Tino was also my play 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 
of the game. I think your analysis of it is perfect, spot on. I would also add to it that Tino was gathering intel before this one-on-one. All these guys are having these conversations about like, we just got to go in there, make her feel seen, really pump Mm -hmm. her up because she's feeling bad. They're telling him their strategies. And he's like, huh, interesting. I'm going to be the only guy who turns the tables and is like, no, you got to make me feel seen now. And it fucking worked like a charm. And like you're saying, very high risk play. This can backfire very fucking easily. But he understood that he could spin it to make her feel like she might be losing something. And he mm-hmm. did it perfectly. And, and then obviously, you know, we see some more of these pops of the one-on-ones where she's kissing guys and all the guys are making her feel good. And uh, eventually she comes back. But they were all kind of the same. All kind of the same. Not memorable. Even edited similarly. Just like quick little pops of like, oh, hey, what's up? Kiss. Oh, hey, doing? what's up? Kiss. Kiss. And then uh, she comes back and Tino gets that group date rose. Goddamn. Uh, it was just a, a stellar group date play. And there wasn't even a group date. This was all after party. This was all in the one-on-one time at the fucking after party. And in the second audience time, for those new to the show, there are four audiences all players are constantly playing to. Audience one is the lead. Audience two is the other players. Audience three is the producers. Audience four is us at home watching it. And here, he took information from the second audience to use it in his one-on-one time with the first audience expertly fucking done. I was very impressed with this. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Tino's play this season. By the way, we did see Zach in his date or his uh, one-on-one time do a guttural scream with Rachel Recchia off the boat, which I thought was a beautiful homage to Claire and that guy, Jason, the PTC guy yelling in La Quinta into the mountains. I feel like we can hear, (laughs) hear the echoes coming back. Yeah, that's true. Portion number five begins. Logan is pondering in no man's land. We we check in with that. <laughs> and then we see another horse. There's a lot of horses in this episode. And we have Gabby's group date day portion in Bruges. It's fucking Bruges. Which is a when in Rome date where they wander about town and do seemingly off-the-cuff activities. And we don't get a date card for this. We don't get a date card for any other date other than that first group date that never took place. The presentation of this is just... It's miserable. It's absolutely fucking miserable. Seeing people have their name read on a date card is one of the most crucial parts of the game, especially on group dates, because then you get to see all of the guys' reactions to who gets the one-on-one and who's going to be on the group date that they don't want to be on the group date and all that shit. And we're robbed of all of it. Potential face play. Potential, like, you know, nagging people right before their date. All of it gone. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended 
This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And <laughs> my um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort. From the outside in. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Um, But they go in a little boat. Mario wins the race to Gabby, by the way. And, oh my God, this is where it happens. We get this ITM from Michael 
she gave her one-on-one to Johnny. So we have to get this information that Johnny gets the one-on-one date from a Michael ITM. You know how I got that information? I didn't even wait for the Michael ITM. I freeze-framed it on all the guys there on the group date. And I was like, who's not there? I had to like type out all their names, go into the fucking spreadsheet and be like, he must be on the one-on-one date. That's how oh, I fucking no. did it. It was like a, a five-minute endeavor. <laughs> no. Look at what they're doing to Clues. Wasting all this energy. No. I mean, I was already there. I don't think they've uh, they've made me put any more effort into this. That's not possible. <laughs> not possible. They go in a, a little boat. There's another horse. They go to the House of Waffles, and a lady says, would you like to try to make one yourself? And then Eric does a wonderful little chemistry food play where he pours the whipped cream machine directly into Gabby's mouth and Gabby sucking up all of this whipped cream into her mouth was my face play of the game. Gabby taking whipped cream directly to the face was also my Face play of the game. It harkened back to Corinne Olympio, season 21, of course, the great one, Nick Vial. She fed him whipped cream straight out of the whipped cream can and ate it herself, very similar fashion. This is a great homage to a classic play. Gabby should have done a little Corinne trick here. Put it on the boob. See who will eat it. God, I forgot she did that. That's what Corinne did. She was so good. Most famous whipped cream player that we've seen. Then the gang plays soccer against a Belgian child army. There's a weird part here where they start cheating. Eric and Nate start picking up the children. Nate is picking up two Belgian boys. Why? (laughs) Why are they picking up the children? That's how you play soccer. And then Gabby ITMs that this is an enlightening peek into the future to see how these guys are interacting with children. And she takes them then to another surprise as she ITMs, knowing that her guys are competitive. And we've already heard that her team is more competitive than Recky is, all this shit. And so they go to this little outdoor patio bar type thing, and they encounter what I can only describe as a Belgian bodybuilder carrying two buckets of fish. And this Muscle-bound fish man was my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I fucking loved this guy just instantaneously fills the screen. He's got more character than anybody on that fucking group date. I want to see a show about him. That's a powerful fucking Jorge Moreno. I knew you were going to pick him. Do you know how? No. Because he looks like your dudesy co-host, Will Sasso. (laughs) (laughs) And this (laughs) Will Sasso impersonator, muscly in a black tank top, 
carrying two buckets of dead slapping fish, who explains how to play this Belgian game, rock, paper, scissors, slap fish, was also my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. He just popped. He was definitely the best character by far. He slapped all of these people. He ends up in the tag getting a kiss from the Bachelorette as a bystander. Unbelievable. I don't know if we've ever seen that. I don't think we have. Not that I can think of. But nonetheless, they are forced to play this weird fucking game where they're rock, paper, scissoring and then hitting each other in the face with these fucking fish. And Jason makes a good play during this as he sneaks a kiss in front of the rest of the second audience, pissing them off. It was fantastic. And uh, then Nate starts ITMing that it's refreshing to not have to worry about drama Everything's going great. This is the best day of my life. Before Nate does this, Nate has the other uh, ITM right after Michael has just slapped him with a fish. And Nate is holding up one of the fish in his ITM. He says, this is my friend Flipper. And then he does an impersonation as what he presumed Flipper's personality is like going, what's up, dog? She was feeling you. She didn't want to see you slapped by us, but YOLO. And this friend of Nate Flipper, who was used for the ITM, was my... <laughs> Creature of the week. <laughs> the slapping fishes was definitely one of my highlights of this episode. And I was very shocked to see Nate try to do a sort of puppeteering thing with the fish. Especially after I just went fishing and I didn't touch a single fish. Oh, good move. It's grotesque. Um, yeah, I agree. It was a strong play. Definitely giving himself some colorful narration. That's guaranteed screen time. You know they're going to use some footage of that. And uh, I thought he did well with it. But then he moves on to another ITM in which he is talking about there not being any drama. We don't have to worry about drama anymore. The day is great. We're just looking forward to hanging out at the night portion of this day and boosting up Gabby and everything's going to be awesome. And we know what's coming next. When producers are getting you in ITMs to say shit like that, everything's great, no more drama, we're all buds now, you know they're going to fuck you over. And we all know what's coming. It's Logan. So at the after party, they get a few more guys to talk about how everything's going well and the small number of players means they're all going to get time and they don't have to worry about turtling and shit like that. And then Logan shows up and all the guys are like, oh, they seem confused, semi-pissed, but also they know they're on camera. And and this is something that is professional era through and through. And we're going to get into it portion six, but every one of these fucking guys in that moment is weighing immediately what they want to do and what they know they have to do in the game. They are professional players and they understand that there is a subdued reaction here that is a must. None of them can blow up. If you get mad, you're fucked. Yeah, I feel like if this were an earlier season, we would have seen one of them blow up and I'm certain that's what the producers wanted. But no one takes the bait. Not anymore. You know why? Because there's a rule book about how to play this game and it's called (laughs) How to Win the Bachelor. 
I'm not shitting you. I don't think we're going to see players really going into the game without reading some part of that book now. Available wherever you get your books or howtowinthebachelor.com. Portion six begins with some shots of these red lights around the boat. They're giving us a hell vibe. And then we're back at the after party. Logan's explaining why he's there, that he had a connection with Gabby, but he decided to pursue Rachel in the beginning. And as time went on, he didn't uh, see the same connection. So he told both leads how he felt and Gabby wants him to have an opportunity to pursue her is the bottom line. Nate ITM's confusion. He's flustered. And then Logan is telling them that he's going to be moving in with them as well. And nobody likes this. And Gabby shows up. Spencer then ITM's being upset with Gabby for letting Logan into the group. And he's questioning his relationship with her. This to me, I don't know if this is acting or not, but for professional era players, they have to know this is the producers doing all of this. Gabby doesn't have a choice. And even when she gives him the group date rose later, that's the producers doing that to try and piss you off. He didn't get the group date rose, but he does get a rose later. But yeah, it is just trying to rile them up. Uh, sorry, that's what I meant. That that rose, the, the final rose. I didn't mean the group date rose. My apologies. But yeah, they're just trying to rile up all these players and it's fucking working to some degree, which was surprising to me. <laughs> I like Gabby's explanation. She's just like, you guys already talked, right? Logan is here. Yeah. Uh, toast to an amazing day. And I was like, wait, did they... Do they not have the same alcohol limits as they do in the mansion like later on? Because everyone seemed like kind of shit faced. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I literally uh, don't know. I can't imagine they don't let you drink as much as you want. You're trapped on a fucking boat. I mean. But I mean, in paradise, it's like one drink an hour, right? Or two drinks an hour is now the limit. I don't know. Well, I'm curious about that. If anyone knows Mario has one-on-one time. I'm all in very much about you. Gabby says, I do really care for you. Love Level wants him. And we get this conversation. Some of Team Gabby at the bar, Nate and Eric talking about Logan. And Eric says, maybe he's the most calculated guy here. A great promo line. As they're literally calculating about him. Yeah. Love it. This is like very open gameplay. You wouldn't say he's the most calculated unless you were calculating. Exactly. It takes a calculator to do some calculations, if you know what I'm saying. Then we get some one-on-one time with Nate and Gabby. And he says the day was great, except the Logan edition. She asked him how he took it. And he says, you should explore every relationship. I want you to be able to do that and then choose me. And you have my full support. Well played here. Anytime a lead does something that seems like it might threaten the other relationships, your only play is to say, you got to do what you got to do. That's what this process is. Explore all your options. You have to. You have to support it. Explore every relationship. I want to be chosen. It works every time. And gets that kiss. Eric, one-on-one time, says, I obviously have feelings for you. Love level one's Gabby. And we get Logan, one-on-one time. He says, I realize what you had to go through just to have me sitting here. I'm very into you. Gives her that love level one that he had already given Rekia as a reward for taking this risk. And Gabby references her favorite Bachelor franchise show and says, listen to your heart. You did it with integrity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they make out. So it's all working out for Logan here. And Gabby returns after Logan ITMs that he's going to pursue Gabby in a way that is fierce to make up for lost time. Gabby returns. She gives out that group date rose to Nate 
And Eric ITM's not wanting to be there for eight more weeks just to see what happens. He says it's a waste of time. This is a seed being planted, possibly for a self-elimination or playing a make-me-stay ultimatum, maybe in this mm-hmm. next week, because this next week is the penultimate week to playoffs, right? It's this next week, then hometowns. Well, Rekia said two weeks to hometowns. Oh, are there two maybe? I, I also liked the first part of this ITM where he said, I don't know ranking-wise where I stand. Yeah, open gameplay. Maybe he's the most calculated guy of them all. They're all equally calculated, I believe. Portion 7 begins with Logan once again pondering. He's rubbing his hands, staring into space in his bedroom as the ITM's feeling tension with some of the other guys. He's just trying to follow his heart and he hopes that Rachel finds what she's looking for on this journey. Then we cut straight to the one-on-one with Avon. Again, uh, between Avon and Rachel Rekia. There's no date card here, no setup. It's just they're sitting down at a little fucking table. They're already at a table. No hooju. No hooju. We have no idea how they met. We have no idea what occurred before this. And... This is basically a win in Rome as well. They sit on this little table. She tells him uh, she feels safe with him and he whips out an Ari line. He says, I love that. Loved to hear that. Beautiful homage to season 22's Bachelor. And she IT- ITM's needing to know if it's a two-sided connection, not just coming from her. So that's kind of the crux of what this date is supposed to be. And then uh, we get a shot <sighs> of an equine derriere ass pointed right toward the camera this horse is strutting his stuff we never see this horse's face we never see anything of this horse except the butt muscles going back and forth as the horse is strutting this horse that is carrying the carriage of avon and Rekia as they are on their one-on-one date was my <laughs> creature of the I got a soft spot for the equine and this shot. I've never seen it before in the bachelor or bachelorette beautifully done. This horse knew what its moneymaker was, knew how to use it (laughs) and uh, absolutely loved the performance here. This horse's ass was not my creature of the week, obviously, because it was, what was this called? Flipper? (laughs) I don't know. The slapping fish. Yeah. (laughs) The slapping fish. I thought for a second you were freaking out about this part of their conversation in which they reveal that they are a Scorpio and a Pisces. <laughs> Relatable <laughs> content. And then they make out all over the place. They go to a chocolate shop. They make out by a wall. Avon seems to be doing some Wreckian style chemistry play. That means he's very good at chemistry play. Then they do some anti-chemistry play in which... They talk to three older people who are, I couldn't really hear what they were saying, making lace. Did you hear this? I don't. Yeah, I think that's what they're saying, making lace. That's what I think as well, but I couldn't exactly make it out either. But this is a ceremony of the ancients. This is a group of older people who impart upon uh, the younger players what it takes to make love last or whatever. They don't exactly do that here, but they do usher them into a conversation about marriage by giving her a veil. She puts it on, Avon takes it off and kisses her. So he even turns this moment into chemistry play, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. He's just making out in front of three lace makers. Yeah, he's like, great. Just one more way to make out. And then Reki ITMs that it feels like everything has been perfect and she loved spending the day with Avon. There's a kiss, night falls, dinner. She ITMs fear of her feelings and not wanting to get hurt. And she thanks him for the best date that she's had 
They cheers. And then he says, I had a great day with you too. And he talks about stability and security in a relationship. Now, the night portion of all one-on-one dates is like, this is when you play your PTC, essentially. And Avon does not disappoint. He says, because his parents were never together, this is essentially a broken home PTC, he went to live with his dad when he was 10, and he didn't see his mom that often. And the relationship was primarily with his mom through the phone. And he did not like it, never saw his mom that much, but he got close with his mom as he got older. And she made uh, something for him a good luck charm. It's like this little bracelet thing or something. He pulls it out, this rubber bracelet, and he gives it to Rachel Reckia to hold on to, uh, to potentially turn the experience around, to give her a little bit of good luck. This was fucking so well done. To turn a PTC into a Kringle around the PTC, it, it's just the symbolism of it is perfect. The timing of it was perfect. It was perfectly fucking played. Had Tino's Make Me Stay not had a higher degree of difficulty, this would have been my play of the game. This was also my runner-up for play of the game. I was so impressed by it. He could have given her this bracelet at any time. It could have been after the triple rose rejection, but he saves it for the one-on-one and gives it more meaning, gives it the space. I mean, ideally, that is where you want to play your PTC at the night portion where the sole focus is the conversation. It's not the, the earlier part of the day, the earlier part of the day, you could hint at maybe a wall. Maybe we saw that and we'll never know. Maybe did it during the lost hooju tapes. She's fucking flipping chocolate raisins into his mouth and he's catching him and going, I had to go live with my dad when I was 10. Didn't have much of a relationship with my mom. (laughs) How are you catching all these in your mouth? I don't know. Anyway, my mom, she, I had to maybe talk to her on the phone. Oh, 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 oh here she made me this bracelet. <laughs> That's when he should have done it, in my opinion. We've seen PTCs played at inopportune moments. Nothing that bad. Nothing that <laughs> that horrible. Fucking but... last week, Hayden with the fucking oh, with Rambo's, uh, like fucking, you know, print on demand like binder that they got done at Kinkos. I have thought so much about the Rambo PTC this week and like the cancer duck and all he, of it. He just. He maimed the cancer duck also to keep part of it, but also shows her all parts of it. Just it like, was a lot. Anyway, this is how you do it. Avon, textbook. I think the Tino thing is was a level of difficulty, I agree, that made it more impressive to me. But Rekia, I think she says, ask me for another one-on-one or something to him. Very positive feedback. And they kiss outside. Fireworks go off. There's multiple kisses, even ITMs. I've never felt a connection so quickly. I see her as my future wife. And Rekia says that in her ITM, he chose me immediately. I never wavered. Could see myself falling in love with Avon. Almost there. A classic loaded love level two for Avon. And it's worth noting, fireworks are a sign of favoritism from producers. Producers only give fireworks to players that they want to see go far or that they expect to. Weirdly, we don't see anyone watch these fireworks in misery, but I guess that's because we're only letting Rachel Reckia be miserable. Yeah, that's right. They they even (laughs) cut... You know what? I bet you there are Peeping Tom tapes. Release the fucking Peeping Tom tapes. I am virtually positive that they forced those guys to go look at those fireworks and they're just like, no, fuck it. Recky is the only one that cries. Unbelievable. Portion 8 begins with another Dark Lord Palmer casting card. You always tell your girlfriends you'd be great on the show. Prove it. Apply now. (laughs) Prove it. It's just like a straight fucking challenge. It's a challenge. You think you'd be good on this show? 
fucking prove it. Apply. Fucking prove it, you coward. Yeah. You cowardly <laughs> bitch. You're sitting there with your wine, your shit face. You always say you'd be good on the show, but you never apply. You never actually go to the website, do you? You don't do anything. <laughs> you have goals and dreams. You think you'd be good at something, but you don't even fucking try. Your girlfriends don't think you'd follow through on it because you never follow through on anything in your goddamn life. Apply now. You're just <laughs> sitting at home on the couch. Fucking making out with your cousin. Who lives in a van down by the river. <laughs> I love this. Not that like network promotion departments have ever understood any of the shows they have ever promoted, but it seems like The Bachelor's really off in the past couple of years. Like whoever's fucking behind that doesn't watch the show, doesn't give a fuck, just dialing it in. They're old as fuck. <laughs> that could be too. I don't fucking know. But although these actually seem like a young person wrote them, the negging. Mm. Well, actually, the Van by the River, that's a that's a deep cut. Yeah, that's an old fucking Saturday Night Live reference. Anyway. I didn't get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my 30s. <laughs> I, I rest my case, Your Honor. Portion 8 begins in the day. We see the boats. We see the cruise ship. The other guys are telling Johnny that Logan has joined their team. And Logan drags a suitcase <laughs> down the hallway <laughs> to come into now the fucking Gabby Windy team. And Spencer and Johnny wonder if this means their connections are weaker than they thought. It doesn't. I mean, your connections were as weak as they were to begin with. And Johnny then leaves to get ready for his date. And we see this date. We get a shot of a swan. This had a chance mm -hmm. to be my creature, but the equine's always going to get it. And he meets Gabby on a long path in a little wooded area. And he coaxes her into the first huju of, of the season. season. Now, this is the same huju that Dark Lord Palmer called a perfect huju on his Twitter. It's a pretty good one, Dark Lord Palmer, but it ain't perfect. It's decent. <laughs> That's what I'll give it. And this is why. Now, I'm going to explain this in a very detailed manner, I should say. There are four parts of a huju. There is the approach. There is the mount. There is the cling. There is the dismount. Just like an Olympic fucking sport, we are looking for certain things in each of these parts that come together as a whole to give it a score out of 10. 10 being perfect. This was not a 10. Uh, Jesse Palmer. In the approach, what you want is enthusiasm and you want momentum being built. Now, there are certain smaller, subtle, physical things that you want to be to doing as well. Arms up, big smile, things of that nature. The mount, you want to be high. You want to clear your legs over their hips and your arms around the back of the head. The cling, you want to get double ankle lock. You want to get both arms wrapped around the back of the head. You want to have at least one kiss, maybe two to however many you can get. The dismount is supposed to be clean. You maintain eye contact and physical contact as you transition into a handhold. That is a, a perfectly executed huju. What we have here is not that. Gabby Wendy is laughing the entire time during the approach. Producers have clearly told both of them they need to do this, and she does not want to do it. She is not taking it seriously, but she finally gives in after Johnny's like, come on, you could do it. He has to like coax her into it. He pats his legs, which I love. Well, I, here's, here's my interpretation of that coaxing at the beginning. He was running towards her, so he was like, shit, we're not going to be able to get a hooju in, so that's why he pats his legs, because he's like, no, come on, let's do it, and I think Gabby's a reluctant hoojuer. I think Rachel Recchia likes it too much, and that's why they cut it. They cut her hooju, you think? Rachel Recchia's hooju. I think they cut her hooju with Avon. Why didn't we see it? This is Conspiracy Town, population U. Damn it! Uh no! 
<laughs> You've got your own rival conspiracy town just across the railroad tracks from mine. Welcome to Conspiracy Town. Population me. Rachel Recchia's Huju was too enthusiastic. It was a 10 out of 10. It was it was too powerful. And they won't let us see it because they only want us to see Rachel Recchia crying. And she would look like she was enjoying her life too much if she had a good hooju with Avon. I think she might have been out of the headspace to do a hooju. She might have still been, you know, a little emotional about all the shit that happened with Logan and all that. And and I think you have to be in good spirits to do a good hooju. You're saying population one. No, I'll go with you. I'm there. It's population two. Show me the fucking tapes. Thank you. I knew I could count on you. I... <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I really liked that Johnny made her do it. I was like, oh, I don't even really remember who Johnny is, but it it felt like a goofy moment. It's like in the Olympics, if somebody's doing the vault, a gymnast, and the they have to move like the fucking thing you vault off of like closer to them because they're like, I don't want to run mm-hmm. toward it. That's what this is like. In my opinion, this is a failure. It's a bad approach. He does most of it. Well, I guess I saw that video that we saw of Rachel and Gabby discussing the hooju. Gabby seemed like she hated it. Well, and this is what you see. I don't get that because she's she has a professional cheerleading background. And she does. Despite the fact that the approach is miserable, her mount is nice. High, legs above the hips, despite having almost no momentum and from this lackluster approach. The cling... A thing of beauty. This is a full 720 spin provided by the anchor Johnny in this case as Gabby gets full ankle lock, double hands behind the head, and a kiss, which she then follows up with a strong dismount, maintaining eye contact the entire time as well as physical contact the entire time. If it weren't for that hesitation in the initial approach, this would have been a high nine for fucking sure. But her unwillingness to take the subsport seriously, to really fucking give it its due... She's going to get an 8.54 for me from this judge. The only person judging who Jews at the Olympic level. I like to think I'm judging them at the Olympic level too. But I think I'm like, I'm one of the judges who's like really happy to be there. So I'm just giving everyone good <laughs> scores, you know? That ain't the Olympics. Like, I thought she had like great flourishes. Like yeah. there was spinning. I mean, maybe it was like Johnny adding to this but i thought it was awesome and they really seemed like they were enjoying it which i guess is the listen to your heart judge in me that i like to see their enthusiasm she had in my opinion we've only seen him anchor once but she had one of the best anchors i've ever seen can you imagine kelsey weir 
doing a huju on fucking Johnny, what that would produce, I don't even, I can't fathom it. But instead, he got this shitty fucking approach. I'm hoping we can see better out of Gabby Wendy uh, with subsequent hujus, or that we'll even get to see one Rachel Recchia huju to see how she's doing this season. But this was a great opportunity blown, in my opinion. You know we are going to see huju. Nate and Gabby are going to huju. He already tried hoojuing those children on the soccer field. <laughs> something like that. But I will even go so far as to say that Gabby Wendy's misfire on this approach, her inability to generate momentum, enthusiasm, or take it seriously was my error, 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 error of the game. <gasps> I love the subsport. I cannot stand for its disrespect. Ooh, hot take. Yeah. Clues. All right. Dark Lord Palmer, are you just going to take that or are you going to fire back? <laughs> <laughs> Me and Dark Lord Palmer get into a Twitter war. Gabby ITMs that Johnny is so macho and too cool, but she likes he's kind of goofy. They meet this couple and, and someone who say they're sixth generation in family brewing. And they do this beer tasting. And then they go to this Belgian spa where there's a beer bath. I, you know, I actually have had beer baths before, but they were definitely not on purpose mm. and definitely not good for my skin. More like a beer shower. Yeah. A, a splash. A, a f what do you call it when the, the river rises really fast? A flash flood? Yeah. More like that. Like I've tripped and well, we've all been there in our early twenties, perhaps. But here, Gabby and Johnny uh, submerge themselves in a bathtub of beer. She's hitting him with the barley. Um, they're massaging each other with some kind of goo associated with a brewery in some way. And she itms that he's the type of person she likes to hang out with because they can have so much fun. But their relationship has remained surface level. They haven't had that deep conversation yet, and that's what she's looking for at dinner. Night comes, dinner. He tells her it's hard for him to get out of his comfort zone. And she says, you're funnier than I thought. And he explains that he's very guarded and has walls up. And she pulls a heartbreak PTC out of him. He says in his last relationship, when he showed who he really was, his partner left him. And he tells her that he's the least confident person ever. She pumps him up a little bit. No, you should be very confident. You have a lot of things to be confident for. And he explains that he's hard on himself and he needs more confidence. Maybe he needs to talk to people about it, implying a kind of therapy PTC mm -hmm. here that he's about to play. And he plays this secondary mental health PTC about struggles with depression. Gabby mirrors it, saying she's also had struggles with anxiety and depression. And she says they need to be easier on themselves. And she ITMs the importance of being vulnerable. And this was very well played. We saw this exact type of play work on Gabby. What was it? One one-on-one -on -one date With earlier? Jason. Right. I'm wondering. I'm like, did Jason share that? with the group and then they're all like oh i can talk about my mental health with gabby yeah it know. could totally be possible but here it works johnny gets that one-on-one -on -one. that's why you always got to be gathering info yeah johnny gets the one-on-one -on -one rose he gets a kiss and they emerge into the streets they run around she itms loving the inside of johnny and they <laughs> kiss in front of an old building <laughs> and she itms being grateful for him and excited to see where things go Little and a little kiss to end that portion. Love the inside of Johnny. Where are those deleted tapes? What happened in that bath? <laughs> oh my god! I don't know. 
Portion 9, the guys get ready for the cocktail party. Logan pondering again. Michael ITM's discouragement at having Logan there, and the two teams are brought together for the first time in a while, and they all discuss the Logan move. He apologizes to them for disrupting the group date. Thought this was a good second audience play here. And Michael has some open gameplay speech about the number of roses dwindling and the odds going down if Logan came to your team or if he left your team and all of this. And the crowns enter and express hope for what's to come. They say with great risk comes great reward. Is this an exact... Uh, reference to Tino's gameplay. Right before this, when they enter, both Mario and Tyler are first responders for Gabby and Rachel. Respectively. Each. A yeah. double first responder, which I I hadn't noticed before, and I loved seeing just two art outstretched arms with drinks. Yeah. Well, it's also that it's evidence that the producers treat that role as something valuable because they're the ones who allow you to do it. And then... We get our first one-on-one time at this cocktail party is Gabby and Nate. There's some kissing. She cringles him some Belgian chocolate for his daughter. Some more making out. Uh, Logan's waiting, getting nervous. One-on-one time with Michael and Gabby. They play soccer. Logan now is talking about how he's disadvantaged because the other guys have had more time with Gabby. We get one-on-one time with Mario. He's in a suit. One-on-one time with Spencer. There's a kiss. One-on-one time with Zach gets a kiss. Eric gets a kiss. By the way... They're making it look like Logan is watching all of these mini dates yeah, as well. Which obviously he's not. <laughs> but they're building to this moment where Logan is basically saying like, all these other guys have such strong relationships with her and I haven't had the time and we're getting to see the, the evidence of all that. And then Logan finally gets his one-on-one time and he asks her to hit him in, in the face with a fish. He's brought some buckets of fish. My creature is back. <laughs> reprise the group date. Oh God. And she thinks that it's funny and he gets a kiss. Johnny then is with the other winners in the winner's circle uh, talking about putting in work and having Logan swooping in to steal her. How shitty it would be if you were a player who did all that work and then have him take her away. This is open gameplay speech and we get several sports analogies here. I believe it's Mm -hmm. Spencer ultimately says it's already game seven and now it's overtime, which is not correct. This isn't even the playoffs yet, dude. This is somewhere just in the middle of the regular fucking season. It ain't no game seven. It ain't no overtime. Well, they're trying to escalate it. Someone says it's game seven and you transfer to players something. And then someone says it was already game seven. Now it's overtime. It's not, though. Game seven going into overtime. We've never. You know what game seven going into overtime was? Season seven, Charlie O'Connell, when it gets down (laughs) to the two finalists and he says, I'm not going to make my choice. I need to keep dating them until the after the final rose in a couple months. That's game seven overtime. That's the only time we've seen it. What a legend. What an effing legend. Tink, tink, buzzer. Three ting. This was a triple ting. I said tink because Dark Lord Palmer called him tinks in his Instagram. Doesn't matter what he calls him. He also called Gabby Wendy Suju a perfect Suju. He's wrong. Once again here, these are called tings. And he issued three. A rivalry is a brewing. Look. I've studied the game far longer than he has. I know way more about it. No offense, Dark Lord Palmer. But here he renders a triple ting. Now, you'll come to know that the triple ting was a signature of Dark Lord Harrison. He is fully assuming the role now. And this <laughs> signifies the end of standard play. Everyone must get ready for the rose ceremony. And we are wondering if Logan is going to push one of these guys out. That's the big question. And Michael is ITMing, I've been in the Gabby trenches. <laughs> Right. 
in Fortune 10 begins. The guys head out to the pool for the rose ceremony. They're all theorizing about Logan getting a rose or not and how that's going to affect the group dynamic. The crowns arrive. They thank the players, give their little speeches. And we see the weird rose math beginning here. To this point, both Gabby and Rachel have given two roses apiece to their group date winner and to their one-on-one. Now, we see that Gabby is starting with four roses and Rachel is starting with three, but also Logan has switched teams. So this math, I think, is reflective of that, that Gabby now has more guys in her pool than Rachel Reckia does. And we're going to see by the end of this rose ceremony, that remains. Gabby will have one more player. Her Gabby's first flower goes to Jason. Reckia's first flower goes to Zach. Gabby's second to Spencer. Reckia's second to Tyler. Gabby's third to Eric. Rachel's fourth to Ethan. And that final flower goes to... Rachel's third to Ethan. Third third and last. Right. And Gabby's final rose goes to... Logan. I wonder how on fire he is for that final flower. <laughs> but I mean, this is all done by producers so that they can have something to fuck with in terms of like building drama. Logan is that thing for them. I bet he's just going on a two-on-one next week with anyone who will say anything remotely aggressive towards him. Yeah. All the players this season are like staying out of the traps. And I think that's another hallmark of the professional era. The old traps that used to fucking draw in just like some fucking numb nuts, that ain't working no more. Not even on the fucking guys. So I don't know what producers are going to do about that. But... Goodbye to the three M's, Mario, Michael, and Meatball. Your savoring was suffered, Mario, Michael, and Meatball. And then DLP emerges for the Tam Sig. Take a moment, say your goodbyes. Logan ITM's victory over the other players, including even Mario, who was a FIMP recipient. He just knocked out a fucking FIMP winner. Hard to do. Congratulations to Logan on that big win. And Logan comes into the winner's circle, and they all reluctantly congratulate him. We even say, uh, see a uh, ITM from Nate saying like, well, fuck, I guess we have to welcome him to the team. Welcome to the squad, I guess. Yeah, welcome to the squad, <laughs> open gameplay speech. Uh, and then Gabby and Rachel go into their respective winner circles and cheers them. Johnny ITMs, weak links are gone and shit's getting real. Everyone's a hitter. Another, sp- like the sports references are out of control. They're just flying. And the fucking coach is gone. Kirk, the... The college football coach isn't even there. The spirit of Kirk remains. (laughs) And then Logan says it's an even playing field and it's anyone's game. So it might as well be my game. Literally calling it a game. Love the open gameplay speech. And we find out that they're going to be going to Amsterdam in the next episode. And we get the promo for the rest of the season. Zach is L3ing. There are kisses. Avon's going too far. We see a Ferris wheel dancing in the streets. Tears. Dreams are coming true. Things are too good to be true. More tears. The situation has erupted somehow with Logan. Somebody has to pack their bags. Tino is sickened. Somebody calls him a baby back bitch. Did you catch that? I heard that there was bitch in there somewhere, but I didn't know what it was. Somebody said uh, Tino's being a baby back bitch. Gabby is terrified of being a mom. <laughs> Rekia is doing tears. Avon is doing tears. There's blindsiding. Uh, Johnny is a boy. Gabby needs a man. Tino lies at some point. Gabby doesn't want to do this anymore. Someone never loved someone. Rekia is doing the, the sobbing squat. She retreats into the night. Gabby is sobbing, and she thinks she is too broken to be loved. And then in the tag, we get our Jorge Moreno bystander of the week, the muscle-bound fish-slapping guy, is slapping people with fish. He eventually slaps 
or is going to slap Gabby Wendy. He wins the rock, paper, scissors. She doesn't want to get slapped with the fucking fish in the face. So she says, how about I trade the slap for a kiss? And this motherfucker gets a kiss from a sitting, reigning crown. Unbelievable. Do you think they uh, STD tested him before he was a bystander? No, I don't. Interesting. But that wraps it up. That was this week's big game. Who was your MVP? For his perfectly played one-on-one date alongside gorgeous chemistry play, his PTC, his Kringle related to his mother estrangement PTC, even was my M M M M V P. Who was yours? Avon was also my M M M M M V P. As we said up top, I think Tino's play was a little more difficult, but fuck, Avon just crushed it. That is what you do when you get a one-on-one date. I mean, it's also the only part of the one-on-one date we got to see. So, you know, I have no idea what he did during the day. I have no idea what he did during the rest of that uh, dinner conversation. And that's a little bit of the problem of this season. What do you mean? He did a perfect to-do. Right. I forgot, but we didn't get to see it. Um, and this is a, a bit of the problem of the season, how they're constructing it, is that we don't get to see very much of any of these players. All I know about Avon is this PTC. Granted, expertly played. And he fucking dominated that one-on-one. There was no question from the moment he sat down that he was going to get the rose. And then he did everything correctly to make sure that happened. Fantastic play. Congratulations to Avon on the MVP of tonight's game. Yeah. I'm proud of him. He's in my final four. One of my only two left. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to do well. Well, we see a shot of him in the promo, if I'm remembering right, him and Rachel Recchia on a boat kissing. <clears throat> That's usually indicative of a fantasy suite. Mm, I mean, there's only <laughs> how many left? Four? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So we'll see what's going to happen the rest of the season. But thank you for joining us on this breakdown of tonight's big game. Once again, thank you to DLP for using our term, our proprietary term, Huju. Even though you don't exactly know how to rate the Hujus, it is very heartwarming to us to see that this is full official acceptance of our terminology by the show itself, by the host, officially sanctioned by ABC and everything else. We will expect our check very soon. Welcome to the pit, Dark Lord Palmer. Glad to have you with us. God, I love it. I couldn't be happier about it. But thanks again, everyone, for joining us. And before we go, as always, what is that drawback? It has been 7,442 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. 
Please get a friend to listen to us and then